and kind of after reviewing the video and, and looking, uh, you know, looking at kind of what actually happened and then talking with the police, we realized that, you know, this wasn't a criminal mastermind or, you know, someone who was trying to, to steal our beer. Um, they were, you know, a homeless person who was, who had no kind of no other option to, to feed themselves. Like, obviously, like, crime isn't the way, but, you know, you could see that the person was desperate. So um, after we got over the initial anger um, of, of the incident, uh, and this was, you know, my dad's idea, uh, being a little older than me, could see more of the forest for the trees, uh, suggested that we turn this into an opportunity to kind of raise awareness and, and do something positive, turn a positive, turn a negative into a positive. So we ended up doing like a, a fundraiser um, where, you know, sales for that day or th that weekend, I can't remember, um, went to a local homeless organization. This is Craft Beers and Cheat Meals with the Clydesdale Crossfitter. I am Scott Schweitzer and I am the Clydesdale Crossfitter. My friends and I like to hang out and relax over craft beers and really, really good food. We want to take you on a journey as we discover these new and exciting places. Come along for the ride. If you enjoy these podcasts, please hit that subscribe button and consider giving us a really good rating. Thank you for joining us. Now off to this week's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the next episode of uh, Craft Beers and Cheat Meals with the Clydesdale CrossFitter. I have with me um, on my crew today, Nick Schweitzer. What's going on, Nick? Hey everyone. And Jay Pearson. Hey Jay, what's going on? Hey, good morning. And so we are sitting in the Daily Growler in PAL and we have the two Johns with us. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I'm John Blakely, the uh, old one, and uh, happy to work with my son. I'm John Blakely, the younger one, uh, and the two John Blakely's names have definitely proved confusing over the last <laughs> seven years. <laughs> yeah, and so we're sitting here in your PAL location. You have four locations now? Yes. And where are they located? Our original store is in Upper Arlington at the corner of uh, Fishinger and Riverside Drive. This store was our, our second location here on Olentangy Street in Powell. Our third location's in German Village on South High Street. And our newest location is in the food court at Polaris Fashion Place Mall. I know there are dads all over the, all over Columbus excited that you are located in the Polaris Mall now. <laughs> Gives them something to do while everybody's shopping. So, um, you know, the craft beer kind of thing has taken off since about 2014, 15 here in Columbus. When did you start the Daily Growler? Uh, we started in December of 2012, and certainly seen a, a lot of change that since in that time. Um, when we first opened, uh, Neil House Brewing was uh, doing their cranberry ale, and uh, Four String was one of our first distributors. Both of them are no longer around, and then just so many breweries have, have come online since we opened. Um, so, yeah, I'm really sad that Four String is gone. That was one of my favorite breweries here in Columbus. Um, and so you started in 2012, so you were a little bit ahead of the big craft beer boom here in Columbus. Um, what made you want to get into this type of business? Um, when we've traveled, we've always sought out craft beer locations, and 
Um, we actually have a little bit of affinity for the, the growler product as a way of taking home uh, craft beer so you can enjoy it. Uh, certainly we started before there were so many beers available in grocery stores and the like, and we still sort of believe that, that draft beer is better beer. And so uh, in our travels, we never really saw a place where there was a good selection of craft beers that were easy to take home. You either went to small breweries where they only had their beers available, or you went to, to big places that were huge restaurants and they grudgingly filled their growlers. And we just wanted to be a low-key place that was approachable, but above all had uh, a well-curated beer list and made it easy to enjoy your beer either with us or at home. That is, that, you just seem to be so far ahead of the curve on that because that's exactly what is in, of interest to me. Um, is being able to bring home that beer that you like because, you know, drinking and driving is a bad thing. Nobody wants to do that. And, but I love the taste of beer, and when I get started, I want to keep tasting the beer. So, um, so when you were getting started, what were some of the hurdles you had to get over um, as that type of business? Uh, that, cause, because you were ahead of the curve, and what were some of the hurdles you saw during that time? Uh, finding a location was actually a big challenge. We looked uh, probably close to a year before we settled on our first spot in uh, Upper Arlington. That's been good to us. And then, you know, none of us really had a uh, much of a, a bar or retail experience. So just the the whole startup and learning curve there was was interesting. And you know, just kind of uh, becoming part of the the beer community because we we actually have really good relations with most of the brewers and. You know, we're, we're fairly well known because we, we care so much about the beer. And so which, which of the two of you came up with the idea? Oh, that depends on which of us you ask. <laughs> um, yeah, I would, I would say it was definitely a, a collaboration, but uh, more his, his idea. Um, I think the original idea started with uh, strictly growlers to go. Um, one of our early, one of the early iterations of our name was actually Go-Go Growlers. Um, <laughs> glad we didn't go with that, uh, though I still really like Father, Son, and the Holy Growler, but, you know. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I think the original model and, and, and his maybe still model, uh, we were more of a, a to-go place, less of a, of a bar. Um, but certainly as the, the market has changed and there's so many breweries doing uh, their own canning and, you know, mobile canning and the grocery stores, it seems like it's, you know, more craft beer than macro these days, um, the on-premise has definitely turned into like a key component of, of our business model. I think one of the main things that draws people in here is just the wide selection of beers. You guys have 50 to 60-ish beers on tap at all times. Was that the plan from day one? And what was, what was kind of, why did you pick that number? Why not 25 or 30? Um, well, 60 was more than 50. Um, <laughs> And anything more than 60 uh, seemed like we'd have a, a tough time keeping everything fresh. And, you know, even with 60, we, we still have, you know, about a third of our menus IPAs. And uh, it's, yeah. it's like our most popular style, but you can only drink so many IPAs. 60 just kind of seemed like a, a good number. Um, and honestly, like when we started, uh, it wasn't our plan to rotate everything as, as much as we do. Um, thought we'd settle into, you know, about half the lineup would be kind of permanent tap handles and then the rest would rotate. Um, but just 
you know, from the start, people seem to really gravitate towards our selection and the, the constant changing of the lineup. Um, and there have been, you know, no shortage of good beers coming and going. So just, you know, found it easier and, and best to keep everything rotating. We keep a, a few handles, you know, semi-permanent, but for the most part, you know, 95% of our list is always changing. Do you think the untapped app has caused that rotation to be a necessity? We, we've actually talked to brewers who have say that, like, it's tough to, to have a standard um, IPA all the time because people want something new with that untapped app now. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, a two-edged sword. Um, you know, I, I personally get uh, a little maybe annoyed uh, when people come in, they'll check their untapped app and, you know, they won't drink a beer that they've had before, regardless of it's, you know, their favorite beer or, you know, they haven't had it in two years. They're always looking for, you know, something new to, to check in. Um, but then, you know, a lot of people find us through Untapped because we have beers. You know, a, lo a lot of the beers that we have, we're either the only place in Columbus to have them outside of that brewery or in some cases, you know, like literally the only place to have them. So um, it, we definitely attract people uh, with our variety. But, you know, at, at the same time, you know, it's, it's okay to drink a beer twice. Yeah, and you talk about the variety. How do you decide what beers you kind of cultivate onto your menu? Because you have you have a lot of Central Ohio beers, but then you also have beers from all across the country as well. Yeah, um, you know, very early on, uh, we we had I would say more national beers, um, just because we we literally couldn't fill a, a draft list of sixty with Central or even Ohio beers. Um, that certainly changed now, um, but we don't want to exclude good beer being made all over the country. Um, after I graduated from school, I moved out to California uh, for four-ish years, and that's kind of really where I developed a, a palate for good beer and, and got into stuff. Um, so if, if you notice from our boards, we've got uh, only two states get the, the outline, Ohio, because uh, we're in Ohio, and uh, California, because that's kind of where I got into beer. So we always try to have you know, some good West Coast options and then fill the, the rest of the menu out, you know, just with what makes sense stylistically and what, you know, the customers are interested in. And does that involve you actually traveling out there to try the beer first, or is it you kind of know your taste profile and you just kind of take chances on, on kegs? How does that work? Not as much as I would like. <laughs> um, no, uh, because of the way that the, the three-tier system of distribution and, and purchasing in the States works, um, we actually can't. You know, I can't go out to California and find a, a brewery that I like and bring their beer back. It has to be from a distributor that brings it in, like a middleman. So they distribute the beer. Um, they, a brewery would bring the beer in from California. It has to hit a distributor, like Columbus Distributing, Premium Superior, yeah. and then we have to buy directly from them. Um, so we're kind of, in, in some ways, at the mercy of, of who other people bring in. Um, tasting, certainly... Uh, is is a component of it. A lot of research goes involved. You know, a, lo a lot of checking untapped to see, you know, if this beer is popular, if it's rated well, um, and you know, just a variety of, of things go into the selection. So, if you have a customer that is, say, was in Denver and they tried a great beer and they want to suggest it to you to carry, there's a whole process, and the odds might be slim that you would be able to bring that in. Yeah, unless it's already distributed here, um, the odds are, are very slim just because the contracts of distributorship are, are very onerous. So it's not, uh, you can sign like a, a temporary distribution agreement um, and that happens a lot for festivals. Uh, but once you kind of come into a state with a distributor, you're, you're locked in. 
Um, so, you know, when, uh, like to think of an example like Ballast Point, they used to be with uh, Premium, and then when they, when that company got sold in Ohio, they switched over to Heidelberg, um, but the transfer of that was like a, a multi-million dollar like transfer, like it's not just like, I'll give you this, it, it's you have to buy people out. So people are very leery to sign those those agreements. Um, that uh, makes sense. Additionally to your question, uh, one of the things that I'm most happy about is the, the quality of our staff. We call them beer tenders. Um, and they're all beer nerds. They all love beer. And they're great if you come in and tell them, I had this beer. What do you have that's like it? Or you can't get this. They're um, pretty much to a person competent to, to recommend an alternative and to, to tell you something about the beer. I mean, you know, it's again, we don't go out as much as we used to, but we go a lot of places and it's just very frustrating going places where the staff has no idea what they're serving, what the beers are like, and oftentimes the lists aren't current. So, um, yeah, that's been very important for us to, to make sure our information's always current and that our staff's well-versed in all our offerings. Yeah, and uh, you know, one of the things that I, I do think we were a very early adopter on, and it's it's almost like industry standard now, um, but is having the digital boards. So you know, we, we had those electronic boards, not quite to the to the same degree, but more or less the same since 2012. Um, old John's background is in information technology. I think is that correct? Yes, that yeah. works. <laughs> All right. Uh, so he actually, you know, like designed those boards, uh, you know, from scratch, and they operate on like mini computers inside and are hooked to our website. Um, and a lot of, I think we're still the only people kind of in, in town or that I know of that do that proprietarily. Um, there are a lot of places you go that will see like their boards integrated with untapped or beer menus. Um, but the digital boards are something, you know, that, that we've had and cultivated ourselves since, since we opened. And the great thing about those boards is that if you are an untapped user, you can come in and those boards are like a living document. So as you guys run out of things, you put a new keg on, that automatically gets updated through your guys' website and untapped and all that stuff. So it makes it really friendly for anybody that's coming in. So if they maybe get overwhelmed by looking at 60 options, they can kind of do some research before, right? And uh, kind of have a couple things narrowed down. So it's it's really convenient for everybody that comes in. So does that vary a lot from the four locations? Do you have different beers at every location? We do. Um, I mean, both uh, out of necessity and desire. Um, you know, the, our, our stores are in kind of different markets and, you know, what sells in, in one neighborhood might not be as popular in another neighborhood, but also because the, the beers, a lot of the beers we get are in such uh, small quantity, we literally can't, you know, a, a beer that we want might not be available for four kegs, like in the entire city, so it would kind of be impossible to, to keep the lineup uniform, uh, at least carrying the kind of experimental and small batch beer that we like. And so um, I have to ask this question, you know, you, you own a beer business, what is your favorite beer? Um, much like a lot of our untapped uh, customers, I like to say it's the one I haven't tried yet. Um, <laughs> I'm always looking for the new things. I, I actually have very little to do with the sourcing and the, the curating of the menus, so I'm as surprised as our, our customers come in. And the other John does a, a great job of selecting interesting things. So, you know, I'm always looking for, for something I haven't tried before. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm 
the same. I, I love trying new stuff, um, but you know, if I have a go-to style, it's it's you know, like a lot of people, it's IPA. Um, you know, I, I love classic West Coast IPAs. Hazy IPAs are you know kind of the thing right now. I also really enjoy sours and and stouts. Um, in the warmer months, definitely get into like some clean pilsners or uh, just easy drinking stuff. Um, there aren't too many beers that that I don't like. Um, I know one one of the ones that I am certainly not a fan of, but uh, my my father is is Rausch beers or like smoked beers. Um, you know, I, I don't like I don't like smoky peaty scotch. I don't like mezcal. Um, I just you know for some reason I can't handle the smoke, but he's a he's a fan of those. So it's like you listened to our Black Bag Edition, where we actually had five people in my basement. You brought one beer that you loved and one beer that you didn't love so much, and you threw them in a black bag. Everybody had to draw two. Uh, two of the worst beers we had, yeah. but as a whole, were smoked beers. <laughs> and one I could not even pronounce. Yeah, that, that was uh, by far the worst beer of the day. <laughs> And that's saying something because I brought Natty Daddy as my least favorite <laughs> <laughs> beer. So it and, was. And uh, that was actually up on the tiers of the yeah. bad beer. Yeah, um, I think uh, I and two of our customers like smoked beers, and that's about it. But <laughs> so, so and you're one of them? Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the Seventh Son, uh, Benedict Cumber. No, not Benedict. Uh, it's Chester Cumber, Copper Pot? Chester, Chester Copper, Copper Pot. Pot, yeah. Yeah, that was one of the ones in our black bag that did not go over well. Great can. It was really awesome looking. but Yeah, their, their art's awesome. I mean, in general, their beer's awesome, and it, it's not like that is a, a bad beer. It's made well to the style. Sure. It's just not a style I like. Yeah, right. Same here. Um, so I actually was in here, gosh, it was a while ago, and you guys had a, um, a barrel-aged 12 Dogs Christmas Ale that may have been the best beer that I've ever had in my life. Um, I'm re I really tend to go to that like high gravity, uh, stout porter kind of beer for myself. Um, do you do the barrel aging here, or do you have someone do that for you? No. Uh, again, just because the the rules are v very set in stone, um, we can't really produce any any beer here. We we can't buy beer and, and age it in our own barrels. That's stuff that we have to buy from mostly a distributor. So like Thirsty Dog is with the distributor, so we can't even buy the beer directly from Thirsty Dog. We have to buy it from that third party. Um, so uh, we, we've had a couple different uh, barrel-aged 12 dogs. I don't know if it was the rum or the bourbon barrel. Uh, it was the rum. Okay, yeah, that, that one, I mean, that's actually a, a super, super rare beer. I think we had that on, obviously, like around Christmas time uh, for an, an anniversary or a, a party. But, um, you know, there were maybe in the state, a dozen of those kegs that, that went around, and um, it was uh, delicious and expensive and uh, festive. So, yeah, that was certainly a, a treat for us to have on. And worth every penny. Yeah. Uh, I might add. That was amazing. And so um, so you guys have been in business now for, gosh, what, eight years now? Eight years? And any, any future plans? Are, are you happy with where you're at? Uh, and Yeah, I mean, the... The market has changed uh, considerably, you know, since since we opened. Uh, when when we first opened Arlington, you know, started focusing on that in 2011, got it on online in 2012. Uh, it was still kind of abnormal for craft beer to be the focus of a of a bar. Um, you know, there were breweries uh, like that you could count on really one hand in in Columbus. Um, 
and you know places like Applebee's or Fridays or you know old bag of nails chain chain type places didn't really have any craft beer selection. Now when you go out, the majority of any menu is is craft beer, so the the competition has certainly ratcheted up. You know, in, in the last the better part of a decade. Um, that's why we've you know kind of found alternative places to go in, such as you know the mall. I you know never thought there would be a, a craft beer store in the food court of a mall, and in our German Village location um, is much more of an urban setting. You know, we selected our Arlington store because Fishinger and Riverside was a very busy uh, traffic location. Um, caught a lot of people on their way home from downtown and people who live in you know Arlington, Hilliard, and Dublin to pick up you know growlers on their way home because that was such a big part of our model. Um, but now, as drinking on-premise has, has become a, a larger part of our model, that's kind of why we chose like our German Village location. That certainly has more of a, of a bar feel than, than the other two. So um, right now we're just trying to keep all our, our plates spinning, and I uh, think we're pretty happy with the, the four locations, three and a half that, that we have. Um, but, you know, just really enjoy still being in the, in the beer industry. Yeah, one of the things that... Uh, has pleasantly surprised me as we we've shifted to doing so much more on-premise consumption is the regular customers that we have we just got a, a great core set of customers at each of our stores who um, really add to the character and um, we've, we've really tried to be a place where people come and interact with each other and, and talk to one another we've been very sparing with our uh, addition of televisions in the space because we we actually like people looking at one another and talking to each other and uh, again we have just great customers who uh, make a point to to come in several times a week some of them uh, we're concerned if we don't see them daily um, <laughs> but that's been really nice too yeah and the character is really what sets you guys apart so full disclosure like daily growler is definitely my favorite place in general in Columbus uh, to go to. Full disclosure, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but another thing that really sets you guys apart and adds to your character is getting back to what you said about your beer tenders. You guys do a great job, I feel like, of picking people who are have great personalities but are also just very, very welcoming. And they know... You, every one of them that I've met has, knows a lot about beer, but they do it in a very welcoming way that doesn't, you know, kind of turn people off that might not be as into craft beer as, you know, people who are talking about it on a podcast, right? Um, so can you talk about maybe your selection process on the personality types that you, that you try to bring in and um, how all that works? Yeah, um, I mean, I think one of the, the things that has set us apart is we really kind of like are a hybrid business. Um, so we've attracted kind of people from different walks of life. So, um, you know, we, we do a lot of business to go. Um, so we're like kind of part almost like a bottle shop or just like a, a to go business. But then we all are also, um, you know, part bar, but also kind of like we've been described as like a Jenny's or a Starbucks. People will bring their laptops in here quite often. Um, so we've actually been kind of a, a stepping stone to a lot of people who have been involved in the beer world, either you know at, at like bottle shops like Giant Eagle Market District, um, or you know like Wylands, places like that, who are maybe not fully ready to jump into like the mixology bartending world, yeah. but you know want to do more than just you know sell packaged beer. Um, and also, you know, we're just kind of a low-key place. We're we're not uh, 
you know, we're not making martinis and, and we're not staying open till one. You know, yeah. we, we close at 10 on the weekdays. And uh, so we have a, a lot of people with degrees who are just kind of looking for something that's more of a, a passion than, than a career. Um, sure. You know, I think, I think we've had two PhDs uh, since we've opened and, and two people with law degrees. Actually, three with law degrees, two PhDs, a Rhodes Scholar, wow. and people who've gone on to other things. I think one of the, at least my key things in looking at people are, you know, whether this is someone that I actually would like to sit down and have a beer with and someone who can teach me something. And, you know, by and large, we've done pretty well. In that. Oh, also an, an author uh, we've had on staff. So we've got a, a very diverse and accomplished group of people that uh, I think is maybe not typical for people who are serving your drinks, but uh, they, they work well for us and our customers. Yeah, I think it's definitely something that permeates your whole business. You talked about how you don't have a lot of TVs and you don't have super loud music, so that it's very um, kind of a face-to-face thing. One of my favorite hobbies is board gaming, and it's kind of the same vibe when you come in here. You kind of put the phones aside, and you're sitting across from people just chatting, and it's a very just safe and welcoming place um, for not just beer drinkers, but their families as well. Yeah, that was uh, one of the things that we were pretty conscious of early on is um – if you go to any daily, daily, any daily growler location, um, you'll see just like a, a row of nondescript taps. Um, and tap handles are, you know, very cool. They're kind of a form of art, but they're also a crutch. Yeah. Um, so if you go into a bar and you see, you know, a Bodhi tap handle or a two-hearted, um, it's, it's really easy to just like focus in on that and, you know, not get out of your comfort zone. And part of the reason we had the just basic handles is to eliminate that and, and really force you to either read the menu or to interact with our beer tenders. Um, you know, they love beer. They love recommending stuff. And so, you know, that kind of allows them to do their job and what they're passionate about. Yeah. I know um, I, on a Friday afternoon when I have a Friday na- afternoon off of work, this is my favorite place to come and just hang out. Uh, because it is so laid back and relaxed. And then we've also found my daughter's off to college now, and uh, we used to have to do Friday night football games all the time. And so my wife and I love the food truck selection that you guys bring in, and we like to sit in here, have dinner, have a couple beers, and it's really laid back. And, and to Nick's point, you know, a lot of people are in here playing cards or playing board games and really relaxed and getting back to that, that old way of family fun, uh, just sitting around with a beer. So any, any comments on that? Um, well, you know, we are very much a, a family business, so I kind of wish my, my mom was here because she's the one who deals with all the, the food trucks, and I'm, I'm sure she's happy that you enjoy them, but I promise that uh, that's a, it's a big internal headache. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, it's, you know, that, that's something that, you know, we, we already we knew we didn't know anything about running a bar, and we certainly didn't know anything about running a kitchen. So we never wanted to to operate a kitchen, you know, from the the get go. So food trucks have been, you know, a, a nice way to provide, you know, a, a eating option without having to, to do a, a full kitchen. Um, I, I personally like the the variety of the trucks that we bring in, and they add a lot to the space. Um, you know, the the Powell location that we're in right now is, uh, I think it's. 1500 square feet um, yeah. so we don't have a, a ton of room in in the winter months so it's nice to be able to utilize the the patio and the food trucks and you know get that indoor outdoor feel in the in the warmer months and kudos to your mom because the selection is really good <laughs> um, th- that is a good variety here I, I noticed that other places tend to get the same trucks all the time um, and I like the variety you guys have here 
I would imagine it's nice to be able to take advantage of the food truck craze that's going on right now. So you can't offer that variety. Right. Yeah, one, so one other thing, so this is really random, but about two years ago in your Upper Arlington location, you had an incident <laughs> with crime, right? And then yes. um, took the opportunity, so maybe maybe just tell that story, but then took the opportunity to turn into a really um, cool story for you. Yeah, um, you know, one of the... One of the joys of, of small business, and you know, I don't envy other people who've got this call, but uh, got a call at about four in the morning from the, the police department. Um, and I, you know, I know this now from unfortunately getting a few of these calls, but they don't give you any information. Uh, they just say, there's been an incident. <laughs> uh, we need you to get here as, as soon as possible. So and I didn't really know what to expect, um, but I, I got to our Arlington store at about 4.30 in the morning, and the, the front door was shattered. Uh, the, the glass door was shattered. Um, and, you know, I was just very distraught and confused, and this is the first time can I anything like this had happened. Um, surveyed the, the scene. You know, luckily we, we have a, a large safe that, that protects our, you know, valuables. So that wasn't uh, taken. Um, you know, we don't keep our cash in the drawers, so no loss there. The... The only thing that was missing were the uh, quarters from our pinball machine <laughs> that, that he pried open, and then uh, a bunch of food. Um, so we have a, a small Jenny's cooler. We carry O-chips and snacks, and those were uh, taken. And kind of after reviewing the video and, and looking, uh, you know, looking at kind of what actually happened and then talking with the police, we realized that, you know, this wasn't a criminal mastermind or, you know, someone who was trying to, to steal our beer um, they were, you know, a homeless person who was, who had no kind of no other option to, to feed themselves. Like, obviously, like, crime isn't the way, but, you know, you could see that the person was desperate. So um, after we got over the initial anger um, of, of the incident, uh, and this was, you know, my dad's idea, uh, being a little older than me, could see more of the forest for the trees, uh, suggested that we turn this into an opportunity to kind of raise awareness and, and do something positive, turn a positive, turn a negative into a positive. So we ended up doing like a, a fundraiser um, where, you know, sales for that day or th that weekend, I can't remember, um, went to a local homeless organization. Um, and so it was just, you know, like something we could do to give back and also, you know, not go with our initial reaction was to, you know, get upset and, you know, that's that's incredible, and uh, it's awesome that you guys do give back. Is there any other ways that you guys do um, charitable events to give back to the community? Uh, yeah, we we sponsor various things. Uh, probably our our favorite things to do or or have events here where uh, people can come out and enjoy the beer and, and get to know some of the organizations in the community. Uh, for the past several years, we've done a fundraiser. Um, to save the turtles in conjunction with the Columbus Zoo. Um, we did a, uh, a dog shelter event where, you know, people came out to, to see the dogs available for adoption and, uh, you know, sample beers with that. Um, yeah, I actually, uh, when I was in college, I lived in Australia for, uh, you know, four, four or so months. And so I still know people there. So, uh, you know, we, we kind of made our name being American craft, but uh, with everything that's been going on with Australia and the, and the wildfires, we actually uh, bought a keg of Fosters oh, at, nice. at all of our locations, and all the proceeds from, from that keg are going 
uh, you know, to help what's going on in Australia. So, that's awesome. you know, we, we give back where we can, try to put a, a beer spin on it, because um, that's, that's what we do. But, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to be able to be in a position to, you know, help things that we're passionate about. Uh, so just kind of wrapping up, uh, where can people find you? So you, you mentioned the locations at the beginning, website. Yeah, I, I live in Clintonville. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> no, but uh, all the all the information, you know, of, like what we carry in the store is, is on our website, thedailygrowler.com. Uh, we have Facebook, individual Facebook and Twitters for each store. We have a, a centralized Instagram account. We have dedicated pages on Untapped and beer menus, um, Google reviews, um, and you know, obviously the the brick, You're out there. brick and mortar stores. Yeah, we're out there. You know, come. As that annoying girl on eHarmony says, come find us. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, for, for people who maybe haven't been in to see us yet, we do several events throughout the year. And one of our most popular and fun events is a uh, Girl Scout cookie and beer pairing that uh, the other John does the um, selections for. And it's always a, a good matching of the traditional Girl Scout cookie flavors with a, a beer that goes really well with them. And this year, our event's on February 15th, and we still have tickets available online. So if anyone hasn't tried it, that's a, a great little introduction to the, the beers we've got and get some good cookies to go with it. That, that sounds amazing. I may have to go buy a ticket to that, um, especially if you got the Samoas, anything with the Samoa. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's my personal favorite, so we'll, de we'll definitely have those. <laughs> um, and so you serve beer in what sizes here? Because uh, you don't just do growlers. Now you do on-site as well. Yeah, our most, uh, probably our most popular on-premise option is our flights. Um, so those are six, five and a half ounce pours. Um, and so that, you know, our, our best customer is someone who comes in and does a, a tasting flight to pick the, the growler they want to take home. Um, but yeah, we serve everything in five, five ounce glasses, 11 ounce glasses. 16 ounce pints um, and then we do 32 and 64 ounce growlers to go and uh, crowlers uh, with a C so those are can growlers uh, so those are, are one-time use uh, cans that you can take you know to the movies hiking uh, or just you know if you don't have a growler with you yeah, and really quick on the growlers so you so you guys did make a choice that's a little bit different than other places of making sure that you only serve beer from daily growler and a daily growler growler um, just for quality control or yeah so whenever someone brings in a, a, a glass growler uh, we'll swap it out um, usually it's, it's one of our growlers but if someone brings in a, a glass growler from somewhere else we're happy to swap it out for one of ours um, and all our growlers are cleaned and sanitized and chilled um, and we also switch between the sizes um, so which is convenient if you have a 64 ounce growler from us you also have a 32 ounce growler from us because yeah. um, we swap them out either way um, so yeah, that that's something that you know, the, the quality of the beer is super important to us, and that's uh, another preventative measure we have. And, and I love the swapping of the sizes because depending on what you're doing that day, you may just need a 32 instead of a 64. Um, so my last question for you is, you know, you have some stuff on the menu. What would, what do you think is that rare, really cool beer that you have right now that people should come in and try this weekend? Um, well. You know, because we have four locations, it, it does vary, so I'll, I'll name two. Um, so one of our favorite things that we've done just since opening is work with local breweries on collaborations. Um, so when we opened the PAL store in 20, 
2014, uh, we brewed a, a beer with Hoofhearted uh, called Rollerblabe, uh, B-L-A-B-E, Rollerblabe. Um, and that's a hazy double IPA, um, so we're getting that back on tap this weekend. Um, and then also, I'm not sure if you guys have heard of Toppling Goliath. Um, they're out of Iowa. Um, they're a pretty well-known brewery that we just just came to Ohio through a distributor. Nice. Um, but we're tapping three of their beers this weekend. They're King Sioux, which is a hazy double IPA. They're Pseudo Sioux, which is a hazy IPA pale ale. Uh, and then Pompeii, another one of their IPAs. So if you hadn't had a chance to, to try any of those beers, that's personally what I would be drinking if I wasn't one of those. Uh, can I cuss on this? I w if I wasn't one of those jerks who's doing a dry <laughs> January. <laughs> so uh, with those with that selection, I know Nick will be here this weekend. I will. <laughs> because Double you and just, are my It does sound interesting. <laughs> yeah. um, but I want to thank you very much for joining us uh, and being so hospitable to us here. Uh, we just love spreading the joy of beer. Um, that's what we do. We love it for ourselves, and we want to share it with the world, and that's what this podcast is about. And so thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Craft Beers and Cheap Beals with the Clydesdale CrossFitter. Great. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Bye. Thanks. This has been Craft Beers and Cheap Meals with the Clydesdale Crossfitter. Again, my name is Scott Schweitzer, and I am the Clydesdale Crossfitter. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. If you like what you heard, go ahead and hit that like button or subscribe button. And feel free to give us a really good rating. We'd love to see that. Thank you so much again for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Craft Beers and Cheap Meals with the Clydesdale Crossfitter. <laughs>